to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Eliani on the board. SB Futures up 14. NASA Futures up 58. We're making it a making it a shot enough here. <laughs> a shot to the upside again. It didn't work so well yesterday as we finished mixed. Um, we'll try it. The news uh, worldwide everywhere is is uh, fairly lousy. But uh, who knows? Maybe the Fed will do something. And it'll, I mean, the market's been down pretty heavy. We might get some kind of a bounce here. I kind of, well, actually, I really hope we do. But uh, that doesn't mean we will. Hoping and trading are kind of two different things. <clears throat> we have Mr. Kevin. You do. How are you, bud? Doing okay this morning. Uh, so far, I'm sitting. I'm sitting outside while I still can in this weather. You got about another twenty minutes. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it was. Uh, I guess we hit a hundred at Midway yesterday for the first time in like a real long time. Um, not so sure that's good or not, but uh, it was pretty hot. So there we go. Hot all over the place, and it's only June. Not like it's August, and we only got a couple more weeks. It's a, it's a ways. Yeah, well, August will probably be seventies. Uh, well, that'll be all right. That, that, you know, here's a guy as a, you know, there's a dude that has the, uh, you, you know, you're always looking forward, and tomorrow's gonna be better. You're like Annie. Tomorrow's always oh, a day yeah. away. Uh, the sun will come out tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the sun's out today, and it was out yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> with a vengeance. Yeah, I was driving around yesterday. It was. Uh, it was pretty bad, but uh, you know, I guess that what was what was the one year? God, I was still on the board. It had to be what ninety seven, ninety six, where it was we had so many people died. We had it was over a hundred. Uh, how many days? Uh, one month, and uh, it was really bad. And it was before they had a lot of the cooling stations, and they were opening up apartment doors and finding bodies and stuff. It, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty bad. The, I remember uh, what was it seventy. Summer seventy six, I think. No, seventy seven. It was so damn hot. Um, we we had a uh, an apartment in uh, in Newtown, and so what we what we do is go over to the beach and sleep on the beach um, until you know until two in the morning or so on when it was reasonable again, and then you know and then go home and sleep the rest of the night. But that that worked well because we had two very large dogs with us. Yeah, and they uh, and they were they were okay with it. Yeah. Um, well, interesting. I, uh, yeah. So the dogs would just lay down there. It was uh, me, and my brother, and another roommate, and um, and, uh, and and we just go you know go sleep over there from ten until two. Did you? Uh, I think the hottest. Um, I think I ever was for about three days is my senior year you were soft, sophomore as they say on TV there's not really three syllables in sophomore oh, you're supposed to say only a sophomore only a sophomore uh, but you got to put three syllables in there sophomore right it's not just sophomore yeah uh, we had to go down for RA training believe it or not uh, Eliane I was, a, I was a distinguished person I was a resident assistant I was in charge of people allegedly mm. yeah, allegedly in charge of people like me yeah, like Kevin. How do you think that went out? It worked out. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> um, it got to the point where 
I just told the uh, all the other RAs just just stay off my floor. I'll handle my floor. Don't, don't get off up. my lawn. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just, yeah I basically <laughs> told the other sheriffs don't come in my town. We're a little different than your town, uh, which we were. Get off my stoop. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the the first three days, like we always started right after Labor Day, but our orientation had a, we started like the last like on that Thursday night. You still go back. I can remember the year you go back in weather history. It was brutal for those three days in the dorm with no air conditioning. And it was absolutely, and, and I don't think we went over, Father Tom had us go over to this place for orientation all day long, and I don't think there was any air in there either. It was just, it was just brutal. And then we'd, 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 we'd tr- the, a few of us would trundle down to the car and hop down to a, after, after he thought we were all going to, to bed like, you know, like we were in Boys Town or something, we, 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 we all headed down to the car and went to a bar, at least a bar at air conditioning, and rolled in about two. He thought, <laughs> he thought we were being good boys, we were not. That's, you know, the hell with that. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's too much the, work. the only place we could find air conditioning was a saloon, you know. So, so that's why we went there. It wasn't for the beers or anything like that, you know. Just right, right. It was definitely, you know, just just for um, just for practical purposes. Yeah, um, Kevin, I have a question for you as somebody who's done some writing and uh, Eliani, who uh, you know does some stuff in the uh, music industry. And I, I'm curious as to how. I mean, I, I mean, I guess we're sort of in the industry doing the show here. But we're a, you know we're a pimple on the butt of an elephant doing the show. But the uh, <laughs> in, t- in terms the of the amount being, of sayings you have, <laughs> but I, I don't. I, I was I had to go to the dentist yesterday, real quick, okay. cleaning, and so listening to News Radio seventy eight. I must have heard five times that the market is trying to to deal with the overly or the very aggressive Fed. Kevin, if I tell everybody I'm a Jackie enough times, does that make me a Jackie? I mean. <laughs> We're talking about not it when they see you. Not, not when they see, see you in action. No. Uh, how, how the hell, when, when our interest rates right now today are one percent, inflation is by their by their word nine, by anybody else's twelve, fifteen, sixteen. Pick a number. How in God's name is that being overly aggressive? How, is, how does that even enter the vernacular? You had every much less every station pick it up and and and, and, and say it like it's real. Just asking. I, I you know. Is this the big lie yeah. theory? It's, it, it is crazy. Now, um, I, I don't always hear that, but I, I tend to more than CNBC watch Fox News, uh, or Fox, Fox, not, not Fox News, um, Fox Business. You know, you go where Kenny goes. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, that's just the rule of thumb in, in the business world. That is the truth. There are a lot of people on there who skewer the Fed and have been skewering it for a long time. And then occasionally, like someone I caught this morning, who's, you know, she was talking about how you know, the Fed will be able to fix this. Uh, the Fed did this. <laughs> well, I, I want you, in this, in this world, I mean, I, when we have, this is kind of a, an odd question, but do, do we get exactly what we deserve, or, or do these people do this to us? I mean, I, I have a uh, piece of paper up here in my files, which Eliana will start laughing when she knows my office looks like. Uh, it had to do with a, a big survey. What makes a big survey small, bigger than a small survey? I don't know. Of Americans and how they they didn't want they wanted the Fed to have a balanced budget, but they didn't want any cuts in entitlements and they didn't want any taxes going up. Uh, Perfect. I mean, do- totally doable. But, but, but when you look at what the government does, it's not what I do and a lot of other people do, but it, it's what society does. I mean, we put everything on the friggin' credit card. And hope for better days. I mean, are we? Are we? Is the government to be 
you know, vilified, or are they just a reflection of us? It's it, it's probably well. I'd say it's yeah, what, <laughs> the, the people who are saying it, who who do they want to convince? We're saying what? You know that we can do all of this stuff. Well, I didn't say they I could do it. They just that's what they wanted to have happen. They didn't want their check yeah. cut. They didn't want their taxes going up. But they wanted the government to stop spending. Right. So we have a, um, you know, we have a political class that is going to tell us what we want to hear. Well, on, on both sides. Yes. I mean, for you know, for the many many years I've been doing uh, one of the shows. John and I started on the, on the score years ago. I basically said it. Way this got to be twenty years ago, Kevin, and it's. I can't believe A, I was right once in my life. Uh, so the Democrats want to give stuff to people, and they don't have the balls to raise taxes enough to do it. And the, and the, and the uh, Republicans want to cut taxes, but they don't have the balls to stop sending people checks. So you get to the same place with either, with either, with either, either group in there. It just comes from a different direction. And part of the reason they don't, uh, they don't have the balls is whatever they do, the other side is going to uh, misstate what, uh, what that is, um, and and that's going to get traction on its in its own right. Well, and so uh, for instance, for instance, if you vote against the farm bill, you're voting against um, it's not it's not food stamps anymore, whatever they call the program now. Oh uh, yeah, they don't give out the stamps, but you know if. if because that's where that's where it's located. So you want to starve children if you vote against a farm bill that may be incredibly uh, bloated with all kinds of crap. Um, so, but but you get traction with that kind of stuff, and you know it, it's part of having a relatively poorly formed um, voting public. Well, and, and the the story on on the both sides, and I'm, I know I'm simplifying a little bit, but not too much because these are pretty simple parties we have. On the one side is, the Republican mantra is, if you cut ta- taxes, you get returns way, way more than the, than the uh, it's, it's considered an investment, and you get returns way more than the taxes you cut, which is, in most cases, total BS. And yeah, it, it, that, that has worked, and it will work to a point. Um, you know, if you stimulate business activity, then you will get more taxes at a low, you know, even though you're taxing at a lower rate. And that can work. Uh, it can. can work, but not indefinitely. It, it, it can if you have a a firm like uh, Eliani and Kevin Inc., which is investing every nickel they have, investing it in people, investing it in the stuff, and every year you're doing more. And the idea that they tax your profits means less you can invest. I'm going to say on a narrow range. Hell no, I'm doing a stock buyback. Well, I'm saying a narrow range. Right. That that's that's <laughs> probably very accurate on the Republican side. However, when you look at a Microsoft or a Warren Buffett, where billions and billions of dollars sitting there, we just mean they just have a little less sitting there. They're not investing anything really, and they're nowhere near the edge of of what they could invest. You're not you're not doing anything there. And then a the Democratic mantra: every time you wing you wing somebody a free lunch program because the father and mother, for whatever reason, don't take care of their kids. That somehow or other you're investing in this child, and at the end of the day, well, obviously you don't want the kid not eating. I get that part, but but you, at the end of the day, you you think you've made this huge investment in humanity, and really you haven't, because maybe your your pro, your programs are what blew the family apart in the first place. So both sides are are very 
say they're kind of weak on the, on the proof, which is exactly what gets me back to your seminar last week, which I want to hear more about. Um, you realize that everything you said, if Lou was listening to you, would say you can't do these days? You're, you're isolating people and you're saying this person's different than that person? Even though that's the only intelligent way to go about it? Well, if, if Lou says it, though, I'm all, all on board. Well, I'm saying he would say that if he'd heard you. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you're so saying you have to have essentially have different programs for, for people who have well, different it, needs. And part of the problem is that, you know, we're talking about taxes for the most part right now, taxes yeah. and spending, and because so much of it is intertwined with anything, everything else, we don't have a clean tax code. We have a tax code that is so full of a little of this, a little of that, little of, you know, this deduction, that deduction, et cetera. And, and then on the spending side, we bundle things in with that, you know, with important spending, uh, and we, we bundle trivia in, or we do like we did with the uh, infrastructure bill last year, where we, um, we actually spend less than 20% of the infrastructure bill on infrastructure. Uh, and, you know, we, we do this kind of crap all the time, so there is no way really of effectively measuring it. There's, there's no way to prove out a philosophy here. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's the same thing. They keep talking about the tax rates, the corporate tax rates. Corporate tax rates are meaningless because when you make your, net, your, uh, um, your taxable income zero, who cares what the rate is? Well, yeah. You know, I, if, you can, if, you can, if you can apply all kinds of deductions, and, and they're all legal deductions. People will call them loopholes, and maybe you want to call them loopholes, but they're legal. Um, they're built into the code. They're intended to stimulate certain kinds of activity um, but you know when all is said and done if I can make my tax uh, taxable income zero or some very small number compared to what my real cash flow is then what do I care go ahead raise the rates make them a hundred percent I don't care a hundred percent of zero is zero well except for the fact that, that somebody somewhere is is unable at their size to essentially be a tax crook yeah so who gets hit so who gets hit? Yeah. We're going to go after those big corporations. No, you're not. No, you're not. Well, no, you're not. I mean, I, no, as you're, a, you're going to go. You're going to go after uh, you know every uh, every little small C corp and S corp that's out there in the world. Well, when I was a uh, uh, in in tax with Professor Dinkelo, remember him? Did you ever take him for taxes? No, did not. He was a character. Uh, the Dink. I think he must have been a. He had to have been a football player someplace because he was a huge man. God, he's you know almost like go sideways. He get through the door. His shoulders were so big. Students, students, that's what we refer to everybody, Eliani. But anyway, in those days, I was a sophomore, maybe a junior. Uh, I took it with all our buddies. That was, that was a Slim's, uh, his, his, his thing when we all had the answers to the test. He, he got up after 10 minutes and walked out instead of making, making it believe like he actually, <laughs> it was. Just didn't even make a show of it. Didn't even make a show of it. I was ready to kill him. But, uh, anyway, um, the, uh, it was an open book test, Eliani. We weren't, we weren't all that. We weren't exactly cheating. <laughs> well, let's just say the two of us that actually knew how to do it. Well prepared, huh? We were well That's prepared. What you're saying. Well, let's put it this way: Bob Golden and I did all the answers, worked through all the problems, and gave them to the other guys. Because mm. the, the chance of Slim working through this were like zero, right? So Bob really Slim was a bit dim. Uh, no, no, actually, no. He was <laughs> totally lazy. He was actually real smart. The uh, the guy got up every day at noon. Still is real smart. Yeah, he still is real smart. <laughs> the guy, he. But this way, Elian, he started out as a freshman with a three seven on a four point scale. And the only way he made it out of there was he never never went to this one class, and the guy forgot to give him an F. <laughs> if he give him an F, he wouldn't have graduated. 
<laughs> was it, was just it, forgot he existed. <laughs> he, he showed up the first day and never went back. And the guy said, "Well, he must have he must have gone somewhere else and didn't give it up, <laughs> even though he was out of the roster." <laughs> anyway, in those days, it was uh, the the uh, high rate for corporations was seventy. When Reagan came in, he made it fifty. It was ninety under Kennedy. Then he made it. Then he went down to seventy, and Reagan went down to fifty. Now. I don't think there's any question, Kevin, that a 70 percent. What? 55. Reagan went to 55. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought it was. Hey, I don't remember. Was that Reagan or was that somebody else? I don't know. It was Reagan. It was Reagan's big task cut. And, uh, this was all to, to conserve fuel. Well, no, was, you know, he did that. I mean, but I used to do all these, you know, pro pro statements in, in finance. Well, hell, if 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 you win. Oh, wait, wait, wait! You're talking rates. I'm sorry. Yeah. Never mind. I'm talking, yeah, talking rates. Oh, if, 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 so if if you win, you got to give the government seventy, and if you lose, you lose all your dough, your, your investment. That's a pretty horse bleep deal, right? Now you get down to fifty. You know, if people are enthusiastic, you might do it. You know, it's a thirty range. Then it becomes a fair deal, thirty thirty five. I mean, I'd say that's what the rate ought to be. Now, the idea of of uh, you know thirty percent, nobody, you know, we're going to move all our crap overseas. We're twenty five. Our guys will stay here. I don't, I don't buy that at all, Kevin. But I mean, I was the difference between ninety and seventy to fifty is a big deal. The difference between thirty-two and twenty-five. I mean, really? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I buy that. Do you? But well, if we if we just limited deductions to direct business expenses, you know, to the actual expense of running the business, um, then uh, you know, not special depletion allowances, not special uh, 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 cost recovery schedules of any kind. And, and I, I'm not suggesting that we have to do it on a cash basis, but you know, spe- but anything that's special for uh, for certain, you know, we, we've had uh, the Bush stimulus package uh, was all about. You know, one of the big things was um, certain kinds of capital investments got preferential treatment, and it was huge because uh, because you could buy you know more trucks, more you know for your fleet, you know whatever else, whatever you wanted to buy, you could buy. But that also set everybody. Um, Everybody who owned a, uh, had a sole proprietorship went out and had the proprietorship buy a nice big SUV because that was considered a truck and you got a tax break for it. I mean, this was the kind of consequences that cascade through the whole, and, and it was the, and it was the truck was then used 100% for personal use. It, it the, these are the kind of consequences that cascade, and that's just a mini example, but this kind of crap is all throughout the tax code, and if you, if you, if that were all cleaned up, which would just be a huge shock to do it all at once, but uh, if you could clean that all up, you'd be looking at thirty-five percent and laughing, saying, "We don't need thirty-five percent; we can do this at 20. Well, I mean, that, that's true. I, I also, as your as your your buddy uh, Doctor J, <coughs> one day we were in here, we were at a score. It was so funny. Of course, we we're arguing like we always did, and uh, and he said, "Well, we need to clean up the tax. We need to get rid of all this stuff." And I said, "John, I'm with you hundred percent." So you and I have been friends for, for as long as we've been in, in, down here in the business. L- but let me help you. I'll be president. You'll be my guy. And he goes, all right. I said, well, the first thing you do, there's a convention in town of the restaurant people. I want you to go over there and give a big speech about how you're going to cut the deduction for restaurant meals. And if you survive that encounter, I want you to head over to the NFL and tell them we're going to cut the, de- cut the deduction for uh, tickets. And if you if you make it back here, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the next page of the code. And he goes, "You're going to go over to the colleges and tell yeah. them that the, that that money that people donate to get a suite at your stadium, 
that's not a tax. That's that's a ticket purchase. That's not a tax deductible yeah. donation to the university. Yeah, and I said, if you survive that, we'll, we'll go have a beer tonight. And he goes, I don't think I'll survive. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, it, it reaches, like you say, it's it makes some sense, obviously, to restaurant people to say, okay, everybody gets to deduct company dinners. All right, it's a company expense. You're taking people out, or blah blah blah, whether they're clients or whether people in a place. You know, I get it. But then all of a sudden, well, what are the repercussions of that? The demand for high-end, or I think high-end, restaurant stuff starts to creep up to where you price a regular person out of it. So if you and I decide to go have dinner at Gibson's tonight, <coughs> and the steaks are, whatever the hell they are, 65 hours and the potatoes 10, okay, it really comes down to the steak is 65 hours for you and me, it's $40 for the guy in the Spanx account. Well, that's not right either. I mean, so as like you say, <clears throat> everything you do has a has a what is a physics? <clears throat> Every uh, action has an equal and opposite reaction, or something like that. I mean, really, I mean, you really don't want that either. Where every, everybody in a high end chow joint is, is on a credit card, actually paying two thirds of what the nut is, and the rest of some schmo like you and me that walks in there, we actually are paying full nut. Well, screw that. I think. So, I mean, however you, you walk it through, and that's, I guess, when you and I's, <clears throat> our big theme has been in the last few shows, is, is people don't walk it through. Because after the break, I've got a bunch of different articles here from what's going on today with the Fed and people overseas. Kevin, are, are these the best and brightest that we have? I mean, how, Christine Lagarde, Powell, they're acting like they're shocked at this, of what's going on in the world. Why are they shocked? There's been... You and I have been talking about this and, and Hal and, and Russell for how many? Five, six years. There's people on CNBC they won't, they won't bring back anymore because they're saying you guys are going down. And this goofball, Jeremy, uh, whatever his name is, Siegel, the, the, uh, what is he, the warden guy? Thinks we might need a 1%. 1%, Kevin. We're, we're off the chart. I'm looking at this thing right here. Italian, Italian 10 year bond yields from May 16th to June 13th have gone from 2.9 to 4.25. This is in this is in uh, five weeks. Didn't didn't any of these people realize that rates down at two and three and one and zero percent or negative? It were, were is is a totally screwed up deal because it, it it can't last because the person that you're expecting to make that deal it's it's like you and I going out and paying. You know, let's pay a million dollars for a loaf of bread. Wait a minute, we'll eat rice. <clears throat> I mean, there's, it's, it's so far afield from anything that anybody would do that made sense. How long can you keep something that nonsensical going? That I should invest your money for zero, even though somebody else wants it, <clears throat> and you've got it. And people have been paying for that through the centuries, and all of a sudden, well, people aren't going to pay for that. We're going to make it so that all that's free for governments. And now, they're talking about how the, the, uh, all the, uh, the central banks over in Europe, not the banks, the governments, now they can't pay this interest rate, how their, their budgets are all blown up. Did we actually think that forever the U.S. government was going to average, what, one and a quarter percent on the 30 trillion dollars there? Why would anybody think that, Kevin? We're, we're, and these people are supposed to be the best and the brightest. Well, first of all, they're not anticipating anything. They have no idea what, you know, what risk assessment is about. Uh, or understanding, you know, what, what, I mean, that, that's part of any good management exercise is to go through and say what could go wrong and how will I address it if it does. So they don't, they don't do that. 
but aside from that, it's so it's so screwed up. And you know, I, I've done this with with many a department where you go, you take it over, it's and it's just so screwed up. And all you're doing every day is you're just trying to uh, you're just trying to cope with whatever blew up today. Uh, and you do that for a while, but every time something blows up, you have to you know you can't just put a plug in the hole you got to you know patch over it and uh, and get it you know get it to some level of stability so that you can move on to the next thing that blew up and you always think you have some priorities you you know as as for instance if we look at the Biden administration they always thought they had these priorities let me give you an example if you went back to the beginning of their administration you looked at any interview with Pete Buttigieg all he ever talked about was electric cars green energy all that kind of stuff that's all he ever talked about Meanwhile, the supply networks were just completely buggered at the time. They were completely messed up. But it was only damn near a year later before it dawned on anybody in government that it was because they were so focused on what they considered ideological initiatives that they didn't see what was going on around them. And now it's blown up and... You know, cast any any vision that they have for any uh, any any kind of clean energy aside. We need to deal with what we have today, and you know, in, in many cases, in the case of this administration, dealing with that to do to deal with it effectively means casting aside your ideological initiatives and and moving on to something else. And there's a political pr- price to pay for that. But they need you know, we need to stabilize where we are in this country. Otherwise, two years from now, it's just going to be so off the rails. You know, it, it, it's that the pain will be so much more severe than anything we've experienced well, let's, uh, in a long, long time. Well, let's go to break and we come back. I got a a thing here in my core digest. Some guys talking about a decision Trump made, and uh, I think this is somewhat across the board. SP futures up thirty, Nasdaq futures up one fourteen. I really wish they would keep going, Kevin, because because of all the adjustments we've made with the market down this much, we could really use a rally. But when, when does the market rally when you want it to? Just just saying. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right there, right now. Hello, North Bay Station Jacks. I'm Tom Aliani on the board. SP Peter's up 33. SP Peter's up 126. So we're staying up here. We've tried to dip a couple times, but uh, have not so far. I don't really see hardly any red on my on my, uh, my chain here. So uh, it's unusual seeing green. Uh, this is a way of review yesterday. Dow's down 151, and the S&P was down 14. NASDAQ eked out a small gain of 19, uh, but still, we were it's, after two days of 850 or thereabouts, and the Dow down, have another 151 on top, it wasn't exactly a bounce. European markets are bouncing here. DAX up 156, it's 1.2%. FTSE up 86, 1.2. CAC around up 71, 1.2. So they're 1.2 across the board over there. Uh, Asia, Nikkei down 303, it's 1.1%. Shanghai up 16.5%. Hang Seng a little bit of a bounce here too as well, up 241.4. The uh, better than expected Chinese economic data, oh, there is data you can always trust. Uh, 10-year bond down 11 basis points at 3.36. Uh, bond, I don't know why the bond would be down today, but they are a little bit. Uh, the bond down 8, 8 basis points at 1.65. Japan on change at 0.25 like they always are. Oil. Down 68 cents, 118.25. Brent down 56 cents, 120.61. Natural gas up 16, but only 7, 7.35, way down from the 90, $9.20. So it's down really 25%, 20% in like a week. That's, that's a massive move in natural gas. Gold with a big bounce here, up 18 bucks, 18.31. Silver up 58 cents, even bigger bounce. It's almost 3%. 21.53. Copper up a penny to 4.17 in the, Big news we've been talking about all week is Bitcoin is now down another thousand, twenty-one thousand, one eighty. Some of the other ones are Ethereum's down eighty-one bucks. That's almost seven percent. 
Uh, I think there's some problems here. We talk a little about microstrategy uh, with Russell a little bit uh, later. Uh, XRP is down a penny, down to 31 cents. Not very far from zero. Eliane, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.37 a.m. on June 15th. Let's start with baseball. Uh, Cubs lost to the Padres last night 12-5. to White Sox beat the Detroit Tigers 5-1. to And the Diamondbacks lost to the Reds 5-3. to Another heat wave in Chicago this morning that's going to last through the end of today. It's going to calm down over the weekend for two days and then back up next week for another massive heat wave. Make sure you're wearing your sunblock. Currently 82 in Chicago. Sunny with a high of 95, low of 75. Looking at weather in Phoenix, currently clear 80 with a high of 107, so be mindful of the heat wave over there as well with a low of 80. Looking at traffic in Chicago, a bit of mayhem. Eastbound on 290, there's traffic between East North Avenue and Cicero with an accident at 25th, causing a backup uh, eastbound on 88 from Midwest Road. And then following down the highway, there is a disabled vehicle at Laramie. Hope everyone's okay. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between the 294 South Tri-State Ramp and Lawrence and between Lawrence and Harlem. Uh, an accident northbound on 294 between Tech Boulevard and Balmoral Avenue not causing any immediate traffic at the moment but I suspect it's going to be pretty bad later since it's a three-car collision and things are still moving. We have traffic eastbound on 94 between West no- uh, Division and Canalport. Traffic westbound on 94 between 47th and Milwaukee and finally traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and South Division. Back to you, Chief. The, um... Kevin, there's a article here in uh, in this core thing. I, of course, the guy's a cra- crazed anti-Trump guy. So, but it's you know whatever. There's a crazed pro-Trump and crazy anti-Trump. I, I have kind of forgotten about this. That uh, when you talk about things that people don't have any idea what their consequences are. Remember when uh, two or three years ago, the price of oil was. Uh, Somehow Russia and Saudi Arabia had gotten together, at least allegedly, and decided to push more oil on the market and as a way to, well, if you read the article, it was a way to blow up essentially our fracking industry. And oil got down to, it was under 30 bucks a barrel, I think. I think I remember 20 Yeah, yeah, we talked about this, uh, you know, at the time. But I don't remember um, that, 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 that he made a, that he threatened to uh, Trump, threatened to withhold the sale of arms to Saudi if they... If they didn't cut back on their cut back on their production, did he do that? Yeah, I don't remember that, but um, okay, I'll believe it. Say, but if it did happen, there's yet another example of of now. You know, now Biden comes out today and he's talking about refinery profits are are excessive. Well, I don't understand how these guys. Now, granted, when you got an industry with their nose so far behind a government and so regulated, it's hard for the economic process to work. But if you actually do believe in an economic system that is allegedly free, and I use that allegedly with a big, with a big capital A, wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think that if, if the refinery profits are big, that's exactly what would cause someone, and it's hard to put up a new, new refinery from scratch, to at least expand one they have, to maybe bring one back that's offline because it's too old and try and update. Isn't that exactly what you want to... It, now, granted, if you're not going to give anybody a permit, then you're into controls, which, again, we don't want to go, but we seem to be. If you say that normally that should cause somebody to open one up that might be shuttered, to, to spend some money to invest, isn't that the way our system is supposed to work? But if you say you guys got to cut back on the prices, and, oh, by the way, you can't build a new one because we don't want to do that anymore, what have you just done? You just, you, you're, you're stirring like pretty odd crap into your pasta, and you're going to put a pretty bad taste in pasta. 
Just saying. Well, yeah. So what do you have to do? Then you have to go. You have to go someplace else and go begging for uh, uh, for them to uh, start producing more oil. Even though only a year ago you were saying you wanted to make them a pariah nation. Yeah, and also you wanted them to cut back on oil because they're killing your guys. Yeah. So I mean, you so uh, yeah. So you know, look. The to me, the right strategy, and I've, I've never heard anybody articulate this. But if you really, really, really want to uh, um, build out a, uh, a greener uh, energy infrastructure, the way, the way that you're going to do it, the, the only realistic way that you're going to do it is to embrace uh, the oil and natural gas economy that we have now because so much of the source of that is on federal lands that if the government didn't want to just take the money they get from leases, from drilling leases, and throw it into the general budget, and instead they wanted to direct that to more R&D on, uh, uh, on greener energies and ways to deliver them more you know, efficiently down the road, because you, you can do all the wind and solar you want now, and you're going to get, what, maybe 10% of the uh, energy need that we have. Uh, that you know you're going to be able to fulfill the demand for maybe ten to fifteen percent of the energy uh, that we deliver. So you really you know this requires investment in converting that into a much more efficient delivery system. So if that's your goal, you want the profits on oil, you want it on you know the the drilling on federal lands and so on. You don't want to uh, you know they've taken the tack that if we scale back, then it'll be so expensive you'll have to switch to other energies. And and really, the right way to do it is to take the cash cow profits that you have from the oil and gas industry and plow them into the growth industry of green energy. And they're not doing that. Any any good, well operated business would operate that way, but the government's not going to do that. Well, I would say that there's, but I mean, just to go back you know, as in regards to your seminar, you just were to were at, as they say on the south side, uh, um, the. I don't. I, I would say that if 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 I was oh god if I was Trump I'd wouldn't want hair like that. If I was Trump and I was going to do this tariff thing on on China, you would think that if, if you had that grain of an idea in your head, let's assume for instance you do have some people in Washington since we got a bazillion people working there that actually know what the hell they're doing. You know, if if it were me, I'd say wait a minute. This this is a pretty big move here. We buy a bunch of crap from these guys. Uh, how about here we are, June, well, the day after Flag Day, June fifteenth. Um, how how's about and July? Well, can't do July fourth weekend. People, the weekend after July fourth, I say you get ahead of these five departments and tell them they can bring a couple people or schmoes that actually know what they're doing. And we're all going to go to Camp David for a weekend, and I want lecture after lecture at just what this is going to do to us. I want somebody to give me a whole list of stuff that we don't even make here anymore. That if we put tariffs on it, we're going to cause problems all over the place. And if we all of a sudden start kicking up factories and everything here, I want to know what our grid looks like. Can we handle this over the next two or three years, or how the hell are we going to fix that? I mean, there are a million variables that go into something like that, Kevin. And I'm, I'll bet you Trump, Biden, Bush, Obama wouldn't even have thought of a third of them, a tenth of them, and without... Before, before you stepping out there and, and open up their pie hole and doing something. Well, yeah, and, and you know you can tell that, that we're there right now, uh, currently because they're telling what you know what are they telling us the solution to this is go buy electric cars. Well, uh, let's set aside the fact that uh, uh, that you know most of the country can't afford them. 
uh, as they're priced right now, and let's just say we could, do we have the infrastructure in place to be able to make that viable? That people could actually travel. That, that there are, you know, is there an infrastructure well, for charging stations and all that kind of stuff? And this is what I'm talking about. Is you, you know, the, if you really want to invest in it, that's what you do. And if you really, really wanted to invest in in electric uh, vehicles, you would say I'm converting the whole federal fleet over to uh, uh, to electric over the next ten years. And and then the that's that's so many vehicles that then the uh, infrastructure probably would at least pop up. You know, it would it would come by naturally to meet the demand that it creates. But right now, we're you know we're we're gonna we're pushing something people can't afford, and then telling them to do it. And if we if they if everybody did it, we wouldn't be able to support them anyway. Well, um, because they're not they're not investing in the right places. They're not taking the profits they have uh, from uh, uh, you know from the, or the or the profit potential they have, and and plowing it into building out the infrastructure for where they want to go. It's it's stupid, but you're right. You know, you can go back however many administrations you want, and, and it still wasn't happening there either. No, it's uh, it's pretty scary. I mean, as to why when, when we get more and more, really what we've done is we've gone more and more to natural gas and electric, electricity production, and still, as to why all the vans, and there's got to be how many bazillion government vans or even people's gas vans, why they're not all natural gas fueled? I have no idea. Do you? Should have done that years ago. Yeah, and I, and the idea, uh, and and there are cases where you know South Bend, uh, the South Bend uh, um, public transit, all those buses are natural gas. You know, you know so who? We, uh, you know, th- that kind of thing is doable. But you know, um, is, yeah, uh, we should have done it a long time ago because it's plentiful, it's cheaper, and and it's a cleaner burn. You know who did a big move on it? You know the. Uh, They've been around like forever, although the old man, I think, just died. Uh, Ozinga, the concrete guys, they, they, they invested, they bought a whole bunch of concrete trucks that are natural gas probably six, seven years ago. You see them going around, the tanks are a lot bigger than the regular tanks, you can tell which ones they are. And they, yeah. they I think they've done fine with them. Now, obviously, how much diesel do one of those things use up, for God's sake? You know what else? We, yeah, yeah. I'd love to know, you know, what what they're doing now, even in in an era of high prices for for both, uh, you know, oil and natural gas. Uh, are they still uh, Are they still doing significantly better from a cost standpoint than some of their competitors? I, I got to believe they're still doing better with uh, natural gas today, but under down to seven thirty than you are with diesel at six bucks. But I don't, I'm not positive. You know what else? No, no one ever talks about is, I mean, if there's some cities, I mean, well, Chicago's got some pretty horrible old neighborhoods, but. When you drive around, I, I actually I shuffled through Buffalo on my way to Toronto to see the ball game a few years ago. I was stunned that you know Buffalo is an old city, and I and all the houses seem framed. They're you know seemingly well kept up. Kevin, what do you suppose you could change you, you, if you took a square mile of a city like Buffalo or any place, Grand Rapids, you name it, older cities that, are, that have basically frame homes? What do you think you could save if you took a square mile and said, okay, we're going to government, not even a, well, who knows about a program, but Alone, something, something, or we'll, we'll, we're going to come through, and we're going to. Everybody's going to get if you need them. New windows, insulation, and you know whatever else you might. Maybe a better furnace. I'll bet you could cha- you could save twenty percent in every one of those areas easily. Way better than you could uh, on cars. You know, I mean, I think you, there, there's incredible amount of savings to be made there. I read, oh, that. and that would be worth that would be worth studying and piloting a program yeah. and seeing if uh, seeing if it if it's effective. Um, that that absolutely you know those kinds of things 
and again, you know, don't just. It's, it's another thing that we do in this country is we say, okay, here's the new legislation. This is what we're all going to do. What we really need to do is say, we, you know, we started out with a pilot program. We evaluated the results, and the results are good. Let's roll it out everywhere. Well, I read, or uh, the results aren't good. Let's tweak it and and see if we can make them good. Or the results aren't good. Let's walk away from that idea and move on to the next one. Well, I read this thing, and of course, I probably tossed it or lost it or whatever. Uh, the Sears Tower. I refuse to call it the Willis Tower. Same. Same. Yeah, that's the same. The, what uh, you talking about? Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So when the place was built. All those buildings were built in the early seventies. Okay. When uh, so somebody had gone through and said, okay, all the all the windows basically are single pane, and uh, they have all these levels because the idea of the different there's actually several towers kind of linked together, and some of them are pretty darn high, and there's plenty of room there. So. Somebody was saying we could actually put, you know, not the big, you know, Dutch windmills, but the ones that look like a globe and just kind of spin. Well, somebody went through and they said if you if you replaced all the windows and you put just a few little those little wind wind terminals on all those spots, you could save enough energy for like some some like eight hundred houses. And that's how much that's how much energy escapes that thing on a cold day with single pane windows. I mean, it was, it was an incredible savings of of, of heat in the wintertime. Of a natural gas, whatever the hell they use. I mean, you, I mean, some of these numbers are mind-boggling when you when you see the size of these buildings and things like that. And uh, I mean, that, wh- where where is the push to do that? A save a save is a save, isn't it? Of course. Anyway. Well, it, yeah, I mean, again, priorities are you know completely out of whack. Um, and and the the thing is that makes everything difficult is. We've been so careless with spending, and and this and it shows up in so many places. We talked about this, you know, at the time of COVID. We had been so careless with spending that when we decided that we really, really needed to spend some money to keep people afloat, we couldn't afford it. Right. We did it anyway, but we, you know, but, but we were in no position to afford it um, because you know because of decades of carelessness. And and we're in the same boat on initiatives too. Um, we've been we've been so careless with spending the the federal budget and so many state budgets are in such disarray that if you want to do anything on a significant you know on a significant trial and, and, and a significant initiative where are you going to get the money to do it uh it says here here's the latest stuff going on here kevin we kind of shift we have a few minutes left here but bitcoin plunges toward twenty thousand as crypto meltdown continues um i i, I just, to, to this day i can't even imagine that thing making it up there but i do I want it to go to zero? No, because I know people actually have gotten paid in it, and I, you know, I feel for them. I've heard of stories about people getting mortgages in their house to buy the stuff. I don't, I don't. I mean, talk about it was, it was, it was talk about the, the the massive pump and dump scheme. Here's one: oil giant BP buys 40.5 percent stake in massive renewables and green hydrogen project. Uh, do we do we really want <laughs> just just a quick story about how? How our antitrust views have changed over time, Kevin. When we, we've, I told the story before. When we were Utes, Kevin and I were actually you know, oh. young ones, so yeah, you won't believe it. But uh, when we were Utes, no. one of the gas stations, as a matter of fact, the one right by us, the Utes, was a Sinclair. Bob Dalligate owned it, and Bob Dalligate, right. I think, I think he he sponsored my little league team one year, and he sponsored my stepfather's bowling team. Mm-hmm. When you got your oil change, you went up and you went to Bob Dalligate's, and he did a nice job. He's the nicest guy on earth. And they, you know, fix your car. They do it. So all of a sudden, Sinclair is going to sell out to 
the the, the near near departed Atlantic Richfield. Okay. So they say, wait a minute. Even though Sinclair is not one of the top eight, it's not. In fact, Atlantic Richfield was like the was it the seven sisters or the seven sisters, right, Kevin? The the oil companies. They were like the smallest one. So they're going to buy Sinclair. Now, of course, there's all kinds of different brands in Chicago at the time. The antitrust people decide, uh, well, you can't you can't buy those guys without getting rid of some gas stations because it'll create less competition. So BP buys up the gas stations from Sinclair. There okay. weren't, you know, there weren't very many. There's maybe 30 in the city. So a couple of years later, BP buys Atlantic Richfield, Arco. All right. That now contains Sinclair. So, so they get all their stations on top of the ones from Sinclair. So now they own Atlantic Richfield. Now the biggest competitor left is uh, Standard Oil of Indiana, which is Standard Oil, which is now Amico. Then they then they buy Amico, right? Okay. <laughs> so so I mean uh, so now all the st- I mean, how many stations in Chicago are BP? It's BP or Shell or there's a few others, but it's it's nowhere near as competitive. But in one day, in one year they said no. Even even Sinclair, you got to do something with that. Next year, on a Sinclair Atlantic Richfield, go ahead take those. And then then they then they got Amico. So they, now BP now they, now we're going to let them buy renewables places. I mean, Kevin, are, are, where are we going here? Is it obviously we know where we're going? Can, can we stop it? Um, no. <laughs> uh, undoing is always much harder than doing it right the first place. Just, I mean, just say no. All right, we got to talk five minutes about the Fed. What what are these guys going to do? I mean, the idea that they're going to fix these things. But, but is there is there even a possibility? Could you know Christine Lagarde? Could Powell if, if basically flipped their nose up at the uh, and, and basically gave them the, the, the finger to all the all the uh, governments of the world? Say, I'm not helping you uh, spend money you don't have. I mean, could they possibly have done that at the time and, and still got the job? I don't know. I mean, there's there's times when you when you realize you're in deep trouble and you and you hire the wartime general. But most of the time, you want the peacetime general to do whatever you want, want him to do, right? That would be ideal, is, yeah. I mean, you know, we've seen it before. Um, Christine Lagarde's a pretty bright lady. She has to know this was coming. Has to. So what, what would you do if you were, if you were uh, at the meeting now and you were going to come out and make an announcement this afternoon? I, 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 Where would you be going? Oh, I think you, you've got to... I would not... Here's what I would do. I, I would try and do different from Volcker. I'm going to do different than what these guys are going to do. I would set the money supply course right now, since we're not growing at all. I'd set the money supply course at about 2 2.5%, maybe 3 and just let it play out. And, and raise. you got to raise the interest rates up to 3.5%, but I, I wouldn't go to the 10 12 that Volcker did. I think that that's really bad. Just let it play out. I mean... Uh, it will come down on its own if you keep the money supply at a normal level. Now you're not gonna, you're not gonna fix whatever was two hundred thousand. That's now two fifty. That's your new baseline, unfortunately. But I don't know that you can drag it back down to where you try and go retrieve prices of a year and a half ago without causing real problems, Kevin. I don't think you can. I think Volker should have stepped off the gas six eight months be- before he did. He would might have. What saved. would you do if um, uh, if the um Biden administration, who is trying to negotiate with Manchin now, if they were able to convince Manchin and Cinema to come on board to a lesser Build Back Better bill, yeah, I'm not what helping. would you do about I'm, that deficit? I'm, I'm not. 
it, it my but my number at two and a half percent money supply growth, I can't help you. Tax it or borrow it. I'm not printing it for you. Which is what they're supposed to be doing anyway. Yeah, it is what they're supposed to be doing. And when, when you think about it, when you're when you're a politician, I got a minute here to, to pound on the soapbox. When you're a politician, wh- what are you really advertising for? There's a there's a list of stuff you're going to do for people, and there's a list of of of, in, of taxes that you're going to take from people. What you're basically saying is, I'm going to be more efficient at that than Kevin. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to tax you twenty percent. For a while, Kevin, to pay yeah. me taxes because I'm going to put that money to such good well, use. I mean, we're we, going to be happy about. But it. I mean, we know we need streets. We know we need garbage pick. There's stuff we all know we need. We know. So in other words, there's a list of stuff that people are, are going to have to provide. And, and the argument, just like going in and buying bread, you're buying bread from the guy who makes the best bread more efficiently and it's cheaper than the other guy. It's, it's the same thing, except with a politician, you're, you're saying, I can tax at 20%, I can provide <clears throat> waste pickup, I can provide police, I can provide fire. The other guy says, man, I, I don't know, I want to charge 25%, I'm going to give you like a little more. That, that's, or less, or not doing a good job. That, that's what people are supposed to be voting on. But when you say, I'll borrow the money for the next 40 years, you don't even know about it, I'm going to sneak around you. So I'm going to tax you 20% and give out benefits like it's 40%, well, but when I tell you how I'm doing it, that's essentially the issue. People are, are promising more than they're taking, and they're borrowing from somebody else, which is the future. That that's been that's like when Daly sells something, and instead of making it a putting it somewhere, and every mayor going forward gets to gets to have some of that interest, he sells Millennium Park and he and he puts it into the, the this year's expenses. You can't do that, Kevin. You can't do that. I mean, he did. He did do it. He, he could, but do he it. did. He did. Well, and that's the problem too. It, it's a different problem. Is government is so much uh, um, it operates on a cash basis that anything that they take in in revenue, you know, uh, it, it's it's like in, in Indiana doing the toll road on a on a ninety nine year lease uh, to somebody. Yeah, but I'm taking all that cash right into uh, into the budget this year. <laughs> well, the, uh, the best thing. You know, well, the best we'll worry about ex- next year, next year. The best single um, example, I think, Kevin, is it, it, needs, it needs to be amortized over the life of the contract, and then we'll see if that's a good deal or not. I mean, to give you a, a, a real-life example, and I just because, you know, it just happened not because I didn't like the guy or anything, I actually kind of like him. Uh, when, when George Bush invaded Iraq, you know, Neil Kahn's talked him into it, whatever the power your politics are in that, what he, what he should have done in, in my world was said, I'm invading Iraq, this is going to cost X, so for the next two years that we know of, maybe three, there's going to be a 15%, uh, whatever, surplus. I, I agree, and and you know what? At the time he made the decision, it was a popular decision. Not if he would have said... down on it later, yeah. but at the time, you know, certainly Afghan, going into Afghanistan, but it, but eventually Iraq, too, it, it had a lot of support from the public. So that's the time you're saying, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to add a surcharge onto your taxes. Sorry, folks, but we got to pay for this. It would not and, have been popular. Uh, and, and if if the answer then from the population would have been no, well, you know, then maybe you need to step back and say, okay, maybe I shouldn't do this. Well, Afghanistan wasn't. That was for nine eleven. That was retaliation. But I mean, but Iraq was for oil, basically. Well, yeah. Iraq was for um, positioning in the Middle East that really never came into fruition as planned. Kevin, uh, talk at you on uh, Friday. Uh, S&P futures up 34, and as futures up 121. Uh, Irish play what? Friday night, 7 o'clock, right?
I believe so. We just be right back, Mr. Russell Rhodes. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. on the board. SP Futures up 37 now. And as if he's up 127, let's hope they stay there. We've got the uh, Dow. Let's see where the Dow The Dow has been getting absolutely hammered. It's up 231 today. Uh, just to give a little bit of a uh, of overview here of where we are. Um, if you look at the uh, SPY, let me, let me get a real graph here. Let's, let's do the Qs. Uh, we'll get a real chart. And uh, an idea where if you take a yearly chart, we're, right, we're roughly, at, well, we're up some today. We closed about 279. We closed 276. We started the year roughly at, uh, well, June of June of 20, last year at this time, we were at 345. So we're down 45 and another 20, 65 points, which is 20-some percent, uh, almost 30. So uh, that, that's a ways. Now, if we, if we kick this out to... Uh, uh, kind of for we, we have Russell. 
I'm here. How are you, buddy? Happy I'm Wednesday. just uh, let me finish this up real quick, and uh, and I'm going to say the cues when we in uh, in March of 2020 when we closed the bars. What, mm-hmm. I, it was such a great day. I remember that because it was the day before St. Patrick's Day. Just saying. Uh, good day to do that. What? Yeah, that's no. a good day to do that. Uh, no, I couldn't I, get my corn, yeah, that's sarcasm. I couldn't get my my corned beef sandwich. This is bad. Mm-hmm. Right, so let's say uh, what, what date? It's hard to get this big old graph. Let's say on, on the second of March that year, your uh, the QQQs was one ninety. So now we're okay. still we're still at two seventy nine after maxing out at uh, roughly four hundred. So we, we're, we're basically, uh, what are we, halfway back? The question is, when they started pouring all the money and stuff in, Russell, can we go all the way back? I mean, is it possible? Everybody keeps thinking we, we can't, we can't. I, I don't know. I mean, it, we started looking at where we can go here. I mean, I don't know. What, do you have, do you have an idea of where, where we might actually be? I mean, we're, you know, can we go back, you know, can we go back to 190 from, which would be another 30, 40%? I don't know. I hope. Uh, I, I think it would take things getting an awful lot worse for us to get that low. Like, you know, one of the, a big, a big old outlier, not that we haven't had them a lot this year or last, a lot over the past couple of years. But I think it would take something pretty major to push it and a lot of uncertainty to push us all the way down there. Um, you know, I thought, honestly, I thought we had bought about a couple of weeks ago. So I'm not, and I, I'm the first person in the world that will tell you, well, maybe not the first, I'm, I'm married, but I'm the first, second person in the world to tell you when I, I'm wrong, and I, I was yeah. wrong. So, Well, I mean, um, I, guess, I guess the I'll, I'll, I'll flip the question another way. Uh-huh. We, we were two, where were we? I just gave the number, 220-something or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, how much of the, of the market move-up in the last two years has just been currency driven. I mean, are, there, are companies making? How much more are companies making than they were on March fifteenth or sixteenth, two thousand and twenty? To where, in other words, if none of this ever happened, well, mm-hmm. I, I mean, well, even if it, no, it did happen, but it, I mean, I'm stumbling <laughs> around here. So, where where do you think if we, if, the, if the Fed would want to done any of the shenanigans, where do you think we'd be? Up ten percent, fifteen? We're we were we were like double. Yeah, we were That's a really interesting, yeah. and and I want to put a lot of pen to paper on that one to try and guess behind that. Um, gosh, I mean, I, my assumption is we would definitely be in pretty much the same place we are. You got to figure, you know, six hundred bucks to a bunch of individuals, you know, three times or, or however many times they sent those, those out. I don't know if that boosted things nearly as much as, you know, if, if that's contributing to inflation as much as the really, you know, monster things that they've been doing behind the scenes. Well, that's right. I mean, you and I... But, so I'm trying to... And I'm just trying to think. You're making me think, well, over the last two years, you know, would they, how, how much less would they have pumped into the system? Or would they have just kept doing what they were doing to keep propping stocks up? I, you know, that's... You got me doing forty chess here in my mind. Well, I'm really trying early to do, in the morning. I'm trying to do the same thing, and and yeah. I mean, I, I there there is, I and mean, you probably know this better than me. Allegedly, if you take the the whole, the whole pie of all the money they poured in for the you mm-hmm. know the various and sundry programs, the PPP and all the other stuff, the, the whole the whole pie, I think, 
whatever whatever it came out to, they there's there's still monies there that have not been spent. Correct? I, I think there are. Uh, oh, they, I'm sure there. I'm, so, I'm sure there are. So let's 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 say that some are not, but we don't know what that number is. But but I think mm-hmm. I remember reading in several spots, Russell. And I think I might have even ran it by you once, my professor, yeah. that all the PPP, the uh, employee retention stuff, and all the checks that went out to individual people, only was like twenty five percent of the total package. Mm-hmm. The other stuff, like how much United Airlines got, how much American. I don't think any of us ever knew, or at least or I didn't know where to look to find it. I think those numbers were all how much Boeing got, how much, oh. you know, I think, oh. I think that, I think, I think all the stuff that the people got, mm-hmm. the, the small schmoes, I'm even talking about a medium sized law firm, the, the, the schmoes oh. outside the loop amounted to like 25% of all the money apportioned. So let's say even if 20% was, of the remainder wasn't spent, we still got all kinds of scratch all over the place. That was yeah. poured into some stuff that we don't know where that went, and obviously the government buying these. I mean, what? This is a, as a question. What if? What if you were the guy? Because you have the you have the the sheepskins and stuff to to do it. What if you were the guy managing the Europe the uh, European uh, Central Bank's portfolio? When they bought that stuff all negative, and now it's a, you know it doesn't sound like much a percent and a half positive, but the difference between a percent negative and a percent and a half positive they, they got to be down. Twenty percent of everything they bought, or more. Yeah, and that yeah, and and that sounds like a huge issue, but I, I don't really think that it is because they can just kind of hold on to them, and they don't. They have, and, and you're talking about the central bank that's on buying their own debt, right? Right. Before I go go into the and, yeah, and make sure that I'm reading you correctly, and it's not the um, investors that you're talking about. I mean, they they can buy these things and hold them until maturity. Okay, but uh, they don't. They don't care, and that's one of the reasons that that um, I think. For, and I really think Bernanke is the one that came up with the, the whole idea of um, you know quantitative easing by getting more heavily involved in the bond market. And one of the ideas behind it, I, I, I actually think I remember Paulson saying this once that you know big central banks are the only entities that. Uh, can buy, you know, can buy the nasty stuff and hold it until, hold it to maturity. Once again, um, when you get your principal back, and if they hold it to maturity with the kind of inflation that we've got going on, the principal that they get back is worth, worth less purchasing power wise, but the central bank doesn't care. Well, okay, no. yeah, and, that, and that's, and so when you say how much of this can they, um, or how much of the, the unrealized loss can they tolerate, um, a lot. Well, I'm, 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 <laughs> you know, because they they have the ability to. Uh, but the problem is, if if they've got to do something to make up for that, um, for, for the you know to keep the system liquid, that can be inflationary. Well, here's what I'm. What yeah. my, my question, I probably didn't formulate it properly. Mm-hmm. Is our guys all right? I mean, the guys mm-hmm. I used to I used to drink with before they all shed home for two years ago for COVID. Actually. I'm seeing one of those guys this week for the first time in two years. I'm anxious to see him. They would always tell you, I mean, I mean you're, you're absolutely right, Russell. If somebody goes out just mm-hmm. for the, for talking over anybody's heads here, with the, if, if, when the, yeah. when the, when the, when this treasury goes out and borrows money, they, they're going to sell a bond. All right. So say they sell a bond at, even if it's two, at two percent. All right. And the mm-hmm. Fed goes out and buys the bond back essentially to put money into the system. Correct. The Fed's sitting there holding a two percent bond. Now you and I can criticize all we want, 
But the fact is, they can just hang on to that till it's done, whether it's five years, ten years, or whatever. Actually, five years would be a note. But they're just gonna, they're gonna they're gonna keep getting the checks, and one of the, and, and they're actually gonna give that money they make back over to the to the treasury, right? So there's there's mm-hmm. always gonna be a profit there, and and it just might not be. You and I might criticize and say, "Well, you knuckleheads, you're getting two percent. You should be getting four. But you're right. They're still they're still above the game. They're still contributing money, and they don't care if you and I squeak up and say, "Hey, that check for a hundred million to the, to the treasury should have been one hundred and twenty. You're right. Nobody yeah. cares. But now, in, in the European thing, they were actually buying the stuff at prices at which they were not. The runoff is going to leave them with with a hole. And if you're buying something at negative interest, you, you then the question is, you didn't not make enough. You actually lost, right? Right, because they, because they, um, you know, if they're buying, you know, bonds with a negative interest rate at issue. Yeah. Uh, when they get issued, so, um, so, you know, they're not going to get any, they're not going to be getting coupons and the price of the bonds are going to gravitate from, and I'm just making up numbers here, but like grind down, let's say they're in face, they have a face value of a thousand euros. Now they're going to grind down two or three euros over the life of the bond and they're, and the, um, you know, ECB is going to get, Less back than they pay for them. They're guaranteeing themselves a loss, but the loss that they're guaranteeing themselves is, and, and again, this is me doing some, you know, doing things in my head without a whiteboard and, and, and everything else on the fly here. But if you know, if they're losing, let's just say the equivalent of one percent a year, and inflation is two percent a year, um, you know that that actually. That the dollars that they get in the future have even less value. Well, they better cover it somehow. But, uh, but yeah. they don't care about. I'm just trying to think about the real interest rate relative to central bank finances, and if it has the same sort of impact on them as it does everybody else. Well, I've never thought about that before. Well, you would hope that they have some in there that are paying interest, so they can save over the wound. Because you really mm-hmm. don't want. They really don't want to be calling up the president of France to say, "By the way." We we lost money in all this crap. You guys, you guys better send us a hundred a hundred mil or we're broke. I mean, you don't want to make that phone call. So let's hope they got some in there. That, but what what do you make of this uh, Italian ten year bond yields going from two point? What do I got here? Two two point nine seven on May seventeenth to four point two two on June fourteenth. That's uh, this is this is so reminiscent, Russell. How many times have we talked? And I foolishly went back and looked at some of the. Uh, stuff from the seventies. We're talking mm-hmm. about you know percent and a half, two percent a month when the inflation started. I mean, this yeah. this race up on this stuff is not new to us that have researched it or me lived it. I mean, the idea that these rates could go up a percent in a month or percent this is one in this is one point three percent in a month in, in Italian over in Italy. Russell, we, we've been talking about this forever. What the, are these? Oh guys, yeah. Why are these no, guys so it, shocked? It, it, it's um. Who's, who's the uh, who's the minister on the south side of Chicago that said the roosters, are, the chickens have come home to roost or something? I yeah, yeah. Who, who was that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I know, I know. You know what I'm trying yeah. to say there. And we always knew that there would be some sort of comeuppance. And now the question is, is, um, is it when's it going to happen? It's happening. It's how's it going to play out? Well, I just hope we are. We are in some. And, and I know I, I know what I would do um, if if I were in charge. You know, I, I think I've said for weeks. I wish I weren't. You know, thank God I'm not the one in charge. But if I were, and this is so much easier for me to say 
you know, with you in front of a lot of people, um, I, I would just, I would, you know, go ball. I can't think of another phrase. I'd go balls to the wall, and I, I'd definitely be 75 tomorrow. Um, I would, I, I think, you know, just more aggressive to show we're in front of this thing, we, you know, because I, I, I believe there are a lot of, a lot of folks out there that believe that the, the Fed, way, you know, way behind the curve, um, and, you know, going 75, going to full, going to full percent, the next time we get a really bad inflation number, you know, stepping in between meetings, but showing that you're doing something, uh, I, I think the market would like that. Um, if you I mean, it would be, I, I just feel like the market, I, I, I think part of, you're, you're asking me to value where, or say, where would we be stock market-wise without the COVID, without the, um, without, without all the stimulus, uh, relative to where we are right now, we may be where we are right now. Well, it could be. Let's we hope so. We would have taken a slower grind off. Well, I just, uh, the, uh, the whole idea is that obviously you, you fortunately don't have to watch this stuff all day like I do. The amount of, of, of jaw slacking that we see about 50%, 75 a point. And I, and I said earlier, I mentioned I had to listen time, 10 times yesterday because I went to the dentist, News Radio 78, saying oh, the, market, the market is trying to deal with the Fed's very aggressive inflation. Russell, they're at 1%. Uh, they're, when, they, yeah, yeah, I know. They're at 1%. They yeah, the, the inflation is, pick a number, I'm going to say 15 right now, and they're, they're at 1%. I mean, I, I if, if they if they went to eight tomorrow, they'd be behind them. If, if they been a, they had a seven percent rule to raise tomorrow, they they today they'd be behind the curve in my mind. So so even one, I guess it shows something. But what? Now we're at two. That's still expansionary, for God's sake. We're 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 seventy five to one percent. Yeah, we're well, I, I, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm on the road. So I'm yeah, we were. We were well, they they've got, I mean they've got us down at ninety eight percent chance that we're getting seventy five basis points tomorrow. Right, so now we're at one point seven five. Yeah. Which I mean, if I were yeah. to walk in your class and say, if the Fed is Fed funds rate is at one point seven five, where is the Fed? Every one of the kids in your class going to kids people in your class raise their hand and say we're expansionary mode. Yeah, they're they're trying to squash it, and and I, I well I, after the break, you're, I'm gonna make you talk. Let me talk about what I'm doing on the road right now. Oh, really? But, yes. Um, yeah, like I, 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 I can steer the direction every once in a while. Well, yeah. So you're in a. It's like, it's like Rick and Morty. Morty gets to pick one of ten adventures. Do you? Uh, do you, you have, have no a, idea what I'm talking about? But, do you have a, uh, a Winnebago with? Uh, actually, it wasn't Winnebago. It was a. Pickup truck with a camper top I, and a poodle. I do, I do not. Let's stick with the Fed stuff, and then I'll talk. I'm, I'm, I'm directing today as well. All right. Uh, well, so you're um, writing a book. I, well, and, and I'm looking at the Fed Watch thing for the first time since the weekend. Uh, they've got us at uh, about a 65 percent chance that we're going to be three and three quarters to four percent by February of next year, or better. There's a small chance that we might get to four point seven five percent by then. Okay, well, so normal interest rate. All right, if 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 you think that's what you should, where you should be, what's the harm in getting there faster? There probably is right. some harm. That's, I just that's exactly it. you. You and I just just like they agreed when I said what I think I would do if I were in that position, which I don't want to be in. That um, I just got at this point, I'd be aggressive. And the other thing is, I would get in the room, and I think this is something that other Fed chairs possibly did better. Than, than Powell, uh, 
but I would be in there and I'd say, what we need is a common message, people. You know, yeah. I feel like um, when Greenspan was in charge, you didn't have Fed governors, you rarely had Fed governors um, disagreeing with them publicly. Well, and I, that, that's another thing I think the market would really like it. It would appear that everybody, you know, everybody, not even just the voting members, but everyone um, had consensus and got behind whatever, you know, comes out tomorrow. All right, well, the, the party line on that this weekend was <laughs> that the person who came out and said 75, what he said, something like 75 is not off the table or something like that. Well, yeah. the, the storyline there is, and this is the part that, that really bothers that a lot of me, Russell, is this, the, all this little intrigue. He said this, because, anyway, the storyline there is that the guy, it wasn't because Bullard was the guy who was always very, saying they should do more, right? Well, now he's mm-hmm. become, he's become a voting member. So now he had the quiet period. So the guy from, who's the guy that came out the other day? It wasn't Minnesota, because that's a lady. Uh, whoever the guy no, came out the other day, who, 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 he's, now he's not a voting member. So he, mm-hmm. so he can actually talk during the quiet period, and all the all the, the the Fed insider guys are saying what that was. They told him to say that as a trial balloon to see how the market reacted, because now they think they have to go seventy five, and now the market's convinced seventy five is the number. But that was all all orchestrated from within, exactly like. So we could, so we got the we got the seventy five basis point adjustment on Monday, right. And maybe leading, and maybe Friday, as um, you know, some of the people that worked on his speech right. told the friend, right. "You don't want to be buying stock here." Right. <laughs> well, essentially, yeah. I mean, it's a uh, yeah. But I, I don't. Uh, I just, I just wonder, um, Russell. When, the, when you look at these Italian bond yields, last mm-hmm. time, I, last time you and I talked about Italy was four years ago. I got to believe they're still broke. So these central banks. Oh, yeah. I mean. How, how are we exactly going to, the way I, my calculation is, every 1% up is $300 billion a year in, in, uh, in, well, it's 30 trillion, right? So 1% of 30 trillion is, is 300 billion. One, every 1% is $300 billion yeah, more in interest. Yeah. Now you're going to get a third of that back in taxes, right? Because the people you're paying interest to have to pay taxes back to you. But still, it's... Well, well yeah. Let's not go into bond taxation. Well, but I'm but saying it's you you government bond taxation. Well, you know you don't pay. You know, you're right. You're right. People will pay taxes on it, so they continue to get a third or so of it back. Yeah, but still, it's yeah. it's not exactly something we can afford right now. I no. mean, and uh, I mean, so I mean that. I mean, all this is going to have some repercussions all along the line. What do you, where do you think it goes? You got. I mean, before the break, after the breaks, all you. And I, where I think it goes, I, 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 how about where I hope it goes? Um, I just, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I I hate, first off, I hate it when people just rip on the Fed chair because it is, it is one of the most thankless jobs ever. Unless you are just, you know, unless everything is perfection. And even when everything's perfection, um, you'll get ragged on and people, and, and, you know, Market observers will say that basically it's well, but it's artificial. It's not real. What's going on right now because of the accounting tricks at the Fed. Um, I feel like Powell's body language sometimes doesn't instill confidence. Oh, I agree. I know I'm, I'm really getting into the behavioral part of it, but 
that's where we're at right now. It's difficult to quantitatively uh, justify uh, or quantitatively come up with what if in some of the uncharted territory that we're in now. Um, but I, I just sometimes I feel like um, how how it feels like it, you know sometimes the best defense is an offense, a good offense or whatever. I, I'm terrible with sports cliches. I feel like I'm, I feel like a better offense out of the bed right now is what we want and what we need. Well, we're asking the guy, I mean, to be, uh, again, before break, we will BS about this, but we're asking the guy to really be the disciplinarian of the president and the Congress. And that's, I, and that's not, I, I guess that's somewhat, yeah. let me start from the beginning. If you're going to spend, if you're going to spend, spend money at the federal level, uh, you either have to do one of three things. You either have to tax it, from people to spend it, you either have to borrow it from people to spend it, or you got to talk the Fed guy into printing it. Am I right? Exactly. So if, if you don't want to do A and B, now you're one who's appointing the Fed guy, one of the presidents, and you're the mm-hmm. one that can you know have him over to the White House and waterboard him like uh, Trump did to Paul. Uh, yeah. Or I mean, you're actually so you you're asking this man or woman, whoever the hell it happens to be. If Joe Biden comes out with a huge, whatever, his new, he did the infrastructure, whatever his next plan is, that's $2 trillion, and they plan on taxing half a trillion, if that, uh, mm-hmm. you're asking this man or this woman to say, Joe, stuff that plan right where the sun don't shine, because I'm not coming up with the other trillion and a half out of printed money, so just stow it. That's what you're asking him to say, right? Yeah. And I don't know that, first of all, if he had... If he was the kind of guy that would say that, I doubt if he has the job, right? And the pressure that's put on unless, him, um, um, unless he has built up a ridiculous reputation where he has, you know, the ability to push back. Greenspan could push back. Bernanke, I think Janet Yellen probably could. I, I would, I'd have been terrified of Janet Yellen if she was my fifth grade teacher. Oh God, no. yeah, yeah. And I just don't. I, I don't know if he has that. Um, ability. Uh, the other thing is, didn't get, did they finally? Is he approved? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. But you know, um, but, how, but he would have. And now, now he's got that into. He's actually, if, he, if he's been approved, he, he's got that independence, so he's got the job. Um, and I, I do feel like, much like somebody in Congress, uh, this coming summer, you would be if, if you're in a contested seat. Um, you're going to be a lot nicer than constituents than next summer. Yeah, but you're you're asking the yeah, dude, and, and I feel like maybe there, maybe there's some of that going on as well. Yeah, but can you can you imagine also if it went through that process? Well, can you imagine if if Trump did it the first time? We're going to send everybody a twelve hundred hour check, and he, uh-huh. he lobs that one out there on Twitter. Has a news conference. And all of a sudden, they microphone over over to the Fed. The hell he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving them the. I, I can't imagine that choreography. Could you? No, I can't either. And, uh, I don't care who it is. Uh, it be- I mean, I, but you know, a different Fed, cha- a different Fed chair that maybe you know has developed a lot more. Uh, you know, just it, it has developed a really strong, strong reputation, and maybe has the whole. You know, it, it, at least it appears that he's got all the. the Regional presidents on board with pretty much anything he wants to do. Uh, that in that situation, 
uh, maybe you get to push back a little bit harder. Well, it's also uh, not not as simple as you and I are making it, because your Congress is going to come out, out to you with this bill. They're going to say, mm-hmm. we got infrastructure like this. And, oh, by the way, oh, this is such an incredibly good bill that over 10 years we're going to be way ahead of this, A, on taxation, A, on productivity, A, on everything, that all we're really doing is investing in our future. So we just need a little bit of dough. For you to say, I don't believe every your, your numbers. I never have. They've always been wrong, and I'm not giving it to you. That's a tough spot. That's a real tough spot. It is a tough spot. It's a real tough spot. Um, and I think in 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 a sense of, of going along with what, I've, what my little theme has been here, where you really want a, a uniform face or everybody to be on the same page with respect to how to deal with a, with a crisis, um, you know, maybe that the, the Fed leans in a little bit on that, but you know, the previous president doesn't. He doesn't seem that much of a compromise guy. We got to take you off the break here, Russell. <laughs> Last few years up twenty eight. Nasdaq up one hundred and one. Yeah, Trump wasn't much of a compromise guy. We'll be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at Luckbox Magazine. Dot com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. 
Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Well, my face, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Deliani on the board. SP Futures up 27. NASA Futures up 20. Well, uh, up 100. So we're still up. I mean, we were just up 38. So we just dropped here some. Uh, Dow Futures up 183. We've got, uh, over in Europe, well, let's go through yesterday. Yesterday was a mixed bag, but mostly down after two horrible down days. Dow down 151. S&P down 14. NASDAQ up 19. So, so it's somewhat of an inside day. Europe up a buck 40. Uh, 140. That's, uh, DAX is up 1.05%. FTSE up 80, 1.2%. Uh, CAC around up 42.7%. So bullish across the board over there. Nikkei down 303, 1.1%. Mainland China pretty much up though. Shanghai up 16.5%. Hang Seng up 240, 1.1%. We've got bonds, uh, down 11 uh, basis points, 3.37 on a 10 year yield. Uh, Bun down 10 to 1.63. Japan at 0.25%. They must, whatever people are expecting versus what they're going to do, it's kind of surprising we're getting a down movement in these bonds today, but we are. Uh, oil down 44 cents, pretty quiet. 118.49, Brent down 31 cents, 120.86. Natural gas up 24 cents, but still, 743, which is like a dollar 80 down from, I'm going to say last Thursday, I mean, it's crazy. Our Bob down 4 cents, 394. I mean, how many times have I said this is crazy on these natural gas movement in the last six months, like 100? Uh, gold. Uh, probably closer to a thousand. Yeah, really. Gold up nineteen bucks in eighteen thirty-two as it's heading back toward the mid eighteen hundreds. Silver up fifty-six cents, which is almost three percent. Twenty-one fifty-one. Copper up one penny, four sixteen. And crypto getting its butt kicked again today. Bitcoin down one thousand and forty-one. Twenty-one thousand one forty-seven. Is the guy from uh, MicroStrategy, which is widely considered to have a huge. Uh, Margin call around 21, 22 and now claims he's got no such thing as a margin call. We'll see how that goes. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Hot, hot. Yes, yes. Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 7.35 a.m. on June 15th. Let's talk baseball. Uh, the White Sox beat the Detroit Tigers last night 5-1. to one. Cubs lost to the Padres last night 12-5. to five. And the Diamondbacks lost to the Reds last night 5-3. to three. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, we do have an, a heat warning uh, between now and tomorrow. It's going to cool down a little bit over the weekend and then pick up to the 90s starting on Monday. But currently in Chicago, partly cloudy, 95, uh, 82 is a high of 95, low of 75. In Phoenix, also an excessive heat warning as well, so please be careful of that. Currently clear skies with a high of uh, 78, high of 106, low of 75. Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 83 all the way to downtown, approaching the 290 and 90 <coughs> uh, construction intersect with the backup eastbound on 88 from Kingery Highway and an accident at Oak Park. Uh, we have traffic westbound on 290 between Western and 25th. We have uh, quite a bit of mayhem northbound on 294. There is traffic between Route 50 and the 55 north ramp. Uh, there's traffic continuing on starting at Highway 34 to the I-90 connector with an accident just before the 290 Route 20 ramp. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between Cumberland and Lawrence and westbound between Lawrence and the 294 North Tri-State ramp. Traffic eastbound 94 between Tui and Canal Port and westbound between East 130th and Old Orchard Road. Traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and South Damon. Traffic northbound on Lakeshore between the 55 South ramp and East Grand. And finally, traffic southbound on Lakeshore between Michigan and East 18th. Back to you, Chief. Really? Wow. Hey, Russell, uh, I have one quick question for you before you go onward here. Is, uh, um, mm-hmm. 
breaking news, the ECB had an emergency meeting yesterday. I don't know if you knew that or not, but uh, they've come out with a new tool, a new tool. Oh, my God. Uh, the anti-fragmentation tool. Very concerned that all of a sudden, out of the blue, the Italian uh, bond re- uh, rates went flying up uh, to almost, like, went up like a percent and a half in, like, a week. So now they're, our commitment to the euro is our anti-fragmentation tool. This commitment has no limits, and our track record of stepping in when needed backs up this commitment. What the hell is that? We'll do what we've got to do when we've got to do it. So they're going to buy Italian and, bonds. And, we're, and, we'll, and the data will tell us when we're going to do it. So your, and your headline is ECB vigilant and data dependent. So if Italian bonds go scooting up, go scooting up, they're <laughs> going to go buy them, basically. Yeah. All right. So where, where are you headed? What are you doing? We are in your safety net. I um I want to my younger my younger daughter who is fifteen uh, would like to grow up and be be a meteorologist. Cool. And not not like cheap skip Cheryl, Cheryl Scott meteorologist, like serious science meteorologist. So we are um we are driving around the Midwest chasing tornadoes with storm chasers this week. Uh, and oh, we've come right. close, but we haven't seen a tornado yet. Well, you didn't have to leave home. I've been, I've been in the middle I've been in the middle of a uh, like a field in South Dakota <laughs> with uh, a light show that would just absolutely blow you away so far on the spread. Wow. You realize and of course so. you, wind howls <laughs> I hear that it, 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 it's a um, it, you just get, it, it's been really cool so far, and we still got working uh, Thursday, Friday. We got three more days. We, are, we started in South Dakota. We started in Wyoming. We went across South Dakota. Um, I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska, right now, and I think we're heading into Iowa. Oh, and we started in Denver. You do realize that a tornado I'm, almost I'm actually, over. I'm actually closer to you than I am to where we started right now, and yet. Everybody that knows that I'm going on this trip told me that we almost uh, that God almost showed us Spain for the Cubs um, earlier this week. Yeah, like one almost almost went over yeah. your house. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a uh, so. Yeah, uh, I yeah we trust me. We we heard about that, and uh, it's like, why the hell are you went on this trip? You could have just seen a tornado at Wrigley Field. Yeah. Hey, uh, I have a question. Uh, allegedly, mm-hmm. I've been I've been reading about climate change, I won't say global warming, the tornado belt has moved south in the last few years. Aren't they haven't been there way more in like Alabama and Georgia than there have been in normally in Kansas and Nebraska where they usually are? I can ask that question of the meteorologist that's driving me around today. Um, I really don't know. Uh, but they do, when they, they tend to when, when they do these and they do these weekly for April through, I think, uh, late July or August, depending whatever tornado season is, um, they either start in Denver or Oklahoma City. Okay. Uh, and ahead. so they, I don't think they go side. And they talked about some of the really, really big ones that they've seen in the past, and uh, just about all of them are in the, the Midwestern area. Okay. Uh, so if anything, I felt like they were farther north. Um, yeah, sometimes they would drive up into Canada, but with COVID, it's still kind of a pain. It would be a pain for everybody you know, to get across the border. Well, do you do you, uh, just like park outside of a trailer park and wait for it to come to you? That, 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 I keep bringing I, I keep bringing that up, but nobody finds that funny. 
<laughs> it's not funny if you're in the trailer park. <laughs> no, it's not. No, and then I do look at it. And we've seen the aftermath of um, not necessarily tornado, but each day we have been within eyeshot of a storm that will have uh, baseball-sized hail and somewhere between and doing wind somewhere between 70 and 80 miles an hour. If you were like after our first night, we saw several trucks that had been pushed into the median of the expressway uh, the next morning, being pulled up. Well, you are you are clairvoyant. That's just what I was going to ask you. We were my mm-hmm. nephews and I were driving out to uh, ski one year, and it was, so it was in March, so it was you know prime uh-huh. time, and uh, we were going through Nebraska, where you are. In fact, we were right near Lincoln, and uh, so the, right in front of us. You could see the storm. The clouds were wild. It's probably the same thing you're seeing. You'd see like a cloud come down and kind of start to rotate a little bit, and then go back up. <laughs> you could see. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I'm looking at one of those right now. Really? And then, uh, uh, yeah, it won't turn into a tornado too early in the day, and the conditions aren't right. But, well, yeah, you see those a lot. But the dudes in front of us, say ten miles ahead, there was a microburst of some kind. I don't think they didn't say it was a tornado, but all the trucks were in, were in the ditch. They were just blown over. What? What what is that? I mean, it's not a tornado. That, that just really just a heavy wind, you know, pushing them pushing them off the road. So that, and and you know when we've been when we've been running from one spot to another, trying to get a better angle or whatever. Uh, the, we're in vans, and the guys that are driving the vans, uh, you can tell they're uh, they're struggling a little bit to keep it in the lane. What uh, when this, I first read about guys doing this, they essentially, they essentially were in. For lack of a better term, a Brinks truck, totally padded inside with all kinds of instrumentations, and they had all these seat belts and stuff because they were planning on driving right in the middle of one. You guys aren't planning. We're on not. That. We're not going in the middle of one. Um, so we're not in one of those aerodynamic retrofitted uh, Brinks truck type things. So you're just you're just watching and hoping that it doesn't doesn't we, turn at you and say, "Uh oh." Well, we got you know the, the, the things normally move northwest to southeast. So, like yesterday, we thought we had one, and, the, and it just fell apart. It was like a giant storm. It was building up, and then out of nowhere, it just fell apart. So you guys uh, are looking at the... And, and, and so we get, like, on the north side, and, you know, we make sure that we're not in the path, but we can see it from a distance. And actually, you, you brought up that there might be more of them in the southeast now than they are out here. The issue with that, and in fact, we were thinking about going to Wisconsin, but... Uh, Wisconsin's not flat. It's hilly and you've got trees, so you can't see these things. You have to be in a very flat, you know, you have to be, like I was in the other night, I was in a farm field in the middle of nowhere. We probably could see 10 miles in each direction. If you're, you know, if you're in northern Wisconsin, which probably resonates more with with our listeners, uh, and it's all hilly and there's big trees on each side of the road, there could be a tornado, you know, 50 yards away and you're not going to be able to see it. So you do have to go somewhere that you'll be able to see it from a distance as well. So you're you're looking at like next week's weather, four or five days of weather, and if there's a, it looks like there's a, a storm track running through Nebraska. You guys are, hey, get up, we're going to Nebraska. That's basically what you're doing. There are weather sites, that, and one of them is run by College of DuPage. Um, there are weather sites that that can tell you what's going on in the upper atmosphere, and you have to have the conditions right. Um, in the upper atmosphere, more than anything else, but they can they can start to predict where the best spot for us to go is, and it has changed multiple times on this trip. We we literally do change where we're going based on 
know, what the prediction is for the day. Uh, and, like, last night, we thought we were done for the night, and then all of a sudden something else developed, and we ran over really 50 miles real quick, and actually got an angle on a pretty decent storm. Really? That's so cool. Yeah. Were you guys staying? They're all outfitted with great software that tells us where things are going. Uh, you know, better than the little radar thing that you probably look at on your phone. Oh yeah, uh, my kid. My kid understands everything they're talking about. She was riding shotgun yesterday, mm-hmm. and um, the, the, the guy that's driving the van that we're in. There are uh, four four van loads of people, but the guy driving the car van is uh, working on his degree at Mississippi State right now. Well, you know, people that uh, it's, it's been very, and that's part of why I wanted to bring it along. I was hoping that. There would, might be some people that are in school, or people or people who have their degree in meteorology, so she could you know, pick her brains a little bit. Where's she's uh? Been, she's been good about not being shy. Where, where's she? Uh, badass. Where, where, where's she? I mean, Valpo's got a huge meteorologist. Yeah, no. Um, one of the guys on the trip is uh, works. He works in he, he works in logis- one of the uh, people that paid to come along works in logistics for a shipping company. And his whole thing is figuring out the weather in the Arctic Circle to figure out when they can bring the boats that way and get into, you know, from Asia and across Asia to get them to the East Coast quicker. Well, I'd better really trust that guy before I'm, I'm, I'm taking <laughs> yeah, the ship to the Arctic. It's a narrow window, but, um, yeah, that's, that's his job, and he went to Valparaiso. So, if you're, you know, my one of my buddies, uh, I'm sure he's still a buddy, my roommate freshman year in college, he ended up... Uh, He's a brilliant kid, well, guy, and he ended up working for uh, NOAA for his pretty much his whole career. Uh-huh. Uh, doing, uh, he was in the DC eights flying over the uh, Arctic when they're looking for the ozone holes and stuff. And uh, yeah, and they've done pretty much they've mapped almost most of the world in oxygen. You know, a lot of the uh, global changes type of thing. And his big uh-huh. biggest bitch basically was people never read what they did. <laughs> Here's people talk about what's going on, and it doesn't really match what is going on. But, but he really loved it the whole way. So, I mean, if, oh, you're, yeah, I mean, if yeah. your daughter loves it and is involved in something like that, um, by the way, what's wrong with Cheryl Scott? What do you mean? She's kind of she's hot. And she's making a bunch of dough. She like I'm sure she loves her job. <laughs> but no, you're talking about your your daughter wants to be. Oh, that she didn't want to be. That, that Emmy doesn't want to be the on screen. That's just she doesn't want. That's not what she wants to do. Ah, well, so she yeah. wants to work like for an army or yeah, for, no, for a. She, she for wants a, to. No, she wants to. Work. In fact, there are. Um, we're really going off on a tangent. There are um, certain schools that uh, you know you can be national. You get the right classes to be a meteorologist. Um, and, and that are affiliated with the National Weather Service. Um, <clears throat> probably the top one is Oklahoma. Well, I guess when I'm, I guess when I'm fumbling around here. And, and Oklahoma is the top one because uh, the National Weather Service uh, has several floors on one of the science buildings at Oklahoma for tornado prediction, which is what anyone Well, to I guess that was my question. If you, if you really yeah. want to stay in there and be a, a real senior person, which it sounds like she does, is that uh, is that a government job or a private job or both or either? I think I think it's a government job. I think that and their the website is, is a GOV. So uh, Norway and the National Weather Service. I'm not 100 percent sure how they work together, um, but they you know they're, they're, they do some things together and some things separate. It looks to me like the biggest NOAA you know, uh, university is Wisconsin, but of all things the uh, Indiana University just got a big grant for ten years to study tornadoes, 
from Noah. Uh, really? So, um, I might actually have one of my kids at school with me. Well, good for you. Hey, um, yeah. I guess, so in other words, this always makes me curious. So, so United yeah. Airlines does not have their, I'm sure they have a few people, but, but basically they, I know it was the term leech, they, they use the National Weather Service stuff. They don't have their own private people. Oh, I bet you they have their own private. And you know why I, uh, why I think that? Um, the, the, uh, one of the people that, that the guy that's running our tour checks in with is a guy who's whose primary job is working for PGA, figuring out how they're, you know, what kind of windows they have to get some golf damage shot. Um, okay, but I'm saying they, but they use, they don't have, the, you know, United doesn't have its own satellites, right? I mean, everybody uses the government stuff, right? Uh-huh. I'm thinking, I mean, that's why I'm asking that question. You know, I mean, United doesn't have a, any kind of private, you know, information source. They use the government stuff, right? These, these. Oh, but yeah. They, they. I, I think they all get data from the same sources. Yeah. Well, tell you what, that so. stuff's pretty good. Last night or Monday night, when it was when it was that crazy down here, one of the guys was uh, downtown with his bike, right? And I said, well, I called him up and I said, hey, I'll give you a ride home because you can put the bike in the back of the suburban. And uh, I'm looking at my my phone. I finally got. To, you know, I'm not very good at the phone, as you know. You know, I'm sitting there going. It's like seven thirty, and I kick it up to seven forty, and it's got the, it's got the uh, the thing out in the lake. So I call, yeah. I, I call by Gall Beach at the truck in ten minutes, and it it stopped in ten minutes. Was that good? Yeah, that's pretty wild. No, well, they are yeah, the, even just like the regular three apps that we all use. They're really good. The things these guys are using, uh, and one of them, one of them actually is kind of like a crowdsourced one with people that do, you know. And the first storm, or the second storm that we went after, they're actually on the software. There's little green dots of, uh, on map on a map of people reporting in, and there's like a thousand people that were running around. Really? <laughs> yeah. It, 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 you know, Congress, here's where we think we need to go, and um, and I, you know, our guy, if he's if he's trying to figure out the best direct, you know, if he's got two choices. Uh, yeah, it looks like we got a fifty percent chance that if we go to spot A, fifty percent chance to go to spot B. Uh, he calls some of his other buddies that do the same thing and they kind of debate what they think the best place to go is. Well, I, when we were doing that, so there's a whole mining culture. And we're, the majority of the people on this tour, probably probably the average person on this tour is doing the fourth or fifth one. That, that's wild. I mean, it's, 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 they they're, they're like they're like bird and, and my, and my daughter already told me we're coming back on the they're like bird watchers. I mean, it's like, so when we were, when we were going across Nebraska, they're getting all this information from all these people in their, their cars, right? So he's calling yeah. in. Yeah. This one yeah. guy, this one guy calls in, he goes, ah, I'm looking, I'm seeing this little funnel cloud come down. And the lady goes, well, where are you? Well, I'm in my truck. She goes, well, where's your truck, you idiot? That's fantastic. <laughs> so, That's fantastic. I, I know I have this vision, I don't want to even impart it to you, but, uh-huh. Remember the scene from Hunt for Red October near the end, when the guy when the guy tossed the torpedoes out there, and you guys park at a spot where you're going to watch the tornado. And all of a sudden, yeah. thing starts coming right at you. Remember when the guy said to the when he said, "You arrogant ass, you've killed us." When he said, when he said that. <laughs> but so whose job is it to make sure you're you can watch it and yet it's not coming at you? Um, they go from one direction. You know what? Weather flows from one direction to another in okay. general. It goes northwest to southeast. So if we're on the north side of a tornado, we're okay. 
Well, the ones in Chicago always come from southwest to northeast, or just plain west to east. Well, that or just well, no, the one that hit Ridley came from the northwest. I know, but the ones that are up they, used, they usually go in that direction. They, 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 right. Chicago's in a funky spot. Oh, because uh, of the lake, it kind of weirds, it gets weirder. Yeah. So, uh, when is she, how many years out from going to college is she? Is she next year? She's going to be a sophomore next year. In high school. In high school. Yeah. Well, I, I sure wish I knew what it was. By far, she's by far the youngest person here. Well, you know what? I, to have that kind of enthusiasm in your kids, you got to be proud of yourself. Oh yeah, no, I've got a great video um, where she's like three or four, and she's just yelling, "Tom Skilling's the man!" over and over again. It's freaking hilarious. Well, she's too young for P.J. Hoff or Harry Volkman. Yeah. Well, and of course, if she was a little boy, it would be Cheryl Scott, the woman, and it would have nothing to do with weather. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's yeah. the truth. Hey, uh, what do you make of uh, kind of back on the, the Fed here a little bit? Are, are are we in? Can they can they weasel us out of this, or are we in deep doo doo? I think you know what. I think it's time for the adults to take over in the room and some tough love. And it looks like that's what the market's expecting now. Uh, big question, I, because Kevin mm-hmm. asked me earlier, what would I do? And I would say I would not take the Volcker approach. I would drop the money supply growth down to 2 2.5% and just let it all play out. Uh, because I don't think you want to go the other way. But I guess but it implied in that answer is I think I think that probably you can't undo the damage that was done inflation-wise. You just got to flatten it out going forward. But that really leaves people in a world of hurt. And uh, it, 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 you know, if, you, if you're really doing what you should be doing professionally in, in, in the real world, uh, there's, an, there's this thing that I try to teach uh, at undergrad and graduate level um, where everybody, where um, you have a sunk cost in everything that goes on. You know what I mean? And we have a sunk cost of this associated with the situation that we're in likewise right now. But so, yeah, but uh, we are where we are, and that's what it is. The only prices thing- are not going to come down eight percent on a year-over-year basis. Um, you know, well, the, next, the problem I have with that, month. the problem I have with my own answer, Russell, and I'm critiquing uh-huh. myself here, is I think they've let it go on so long that the prices right now in a lot of areas are so damn high. I don't even see every man being able to afford them. I and mean, one of the biggest shocks I got was uh, not a shock, like somebody tased me, but one of those guys I do business with, he used to, I don't know how many years ago, three, four, five, he used to sell uh, uh, like hospice insurance or whatever to help. That kind of oh, what? Sorry. Kind of like hospice or end of life insurance or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and he he said when he sold it, it was 100000 bucks. Mm-hmm. Now now it's 400 Well, I, I don't see. What percentage of the population can pay four hundred? I mean, what? I mean, how many people can pay fifty, sixty grand for a car? I, I don't know. I mean, I think what my solution is the right one, but I'm going to leave fifty, sixty percent of the population out to dry. I think they needed to come back some, and I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Now there, I, again, I think you just have to say this is where we are now. Bite the bullet and. Yeah, you know, this is what we're going to do to rectify the situation. Wow, 
you know. I, I mean, I, it's, it's just it, it's that point. It, well, you know, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you. Like you. It's like the you know the seventh quarter in a row that your company is not growing profits, and you got to bite the bullet and fire some folks and do the things that you don't want to do. Uh, you know what? I have somebody who's a CEO who like lost their number two several years ago, and when I had, everybody had a high opinion of the number. Two. And um, so I just I, I asked him about it. I said, you know, sometimes you got to cut off an arm to save the whole body, and maybe that's the mentality that we have right now. Well, I don't, I don't know how you can. I mean, I mean, what other you know what what other freaking choice? Well, I don't. You know, step up and just you know do the painful things to write the show. Well, I, I, I don't know. I just I sort of. I, by the way, I, I agreed with you on the answer. Now I'm thinking about. I mean, I, how exactly long, if we stick with $400,000 median house prices, how long are we talking before the average person grows into being able to pay for that? A decade? Yeah. I, I, um, I, you just, yeah, it, it, nobody's going to be able to. You're not going to be able to get a loan to do that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, everything's going to grind to a halt. It, it, there's just going to be a lot of um, status quo with people's lives. And, but, and it's not, you know, it's not going to be pleasant, but we are where we are. And, yeah, it's it, it probably almost my, my kid asked me which president I thought was the best one in my lifetime. And I just threw Reagan out. I always throw Reagan out. You know, maybe, um, you know, my impression was that a lot of things turned for the better under his, when he was president. That doesn't mean that he's a responsible film or whatever, but... You know that in my mind, that's the best one. And the first couple of years that he was president, they did things that were not popular. Well, they did. He that was that was yeah. already, that, that was already weren't popular. That was always that was already happening under the last year of Carter. I mean, Carter's the guy who hired Volcker, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's just you, yeah. you start gumming up with these people. Do I just? I mean, are, are we going to see though, Russell, the the normal? I mean. Everything needs to readjust here, in my opinion, in my economic opinion, but you're the professor. The prices of stuff to put a home together can't equal twice the price that you can sell the home on today's market. Somehow or another, all this stuff is supposed to match up, and it doesn't. If we just stay the course, will it eventually match back up again, you think? Yeah. Well, eventually we will. Big economic forces are going to get us there one way or another. That's that's what happened. Well, I mean, you can't be going to pay uh, an amount. But, you know, it, it's what it, how painful is the path going to be? And the farther you venture off a normal path, the more painful it's going to be to get back on the path. Um. Now here, it's on the on on the the storm tour thing. There, we're we're not really supposed to go too far into grass or anything else because of ticks, chiggers, and rattlesnakes. And the farther I venture off the path, the more likely I am to have one of those three things impact me. And if I go way far off the path, when I'm going back, there's, um, it's, there's still a chance I'm going to get bit. I would well. say we got and a dash, but painful. I would stick with the tick <laughs> rather than the rattlesnake. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, good luck. Good luck. We'll hear more about it next week. It sounds like fun. I wish absolutely. it was with you. SP futures up 38, and futures up 154. Back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. 
offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.